0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Powered by Bet Rivers, you can find us on the uh, Sirius XM app and always check out our merch store. I just heard we got some fire merch, some new merch. It's either new. Or I'm just now hearing about it, which either one are very possible. But check out the merch. It's off the charts. Field of sixty-eight dot shop. I got a little cussing and discussing shirt t-shirt on there that I think most people are, are pretty fond of. But uh get get over there and check it out. There's several options. Field of sixty-eight dot shop. I'm Clint Sterner, former Arkansas Razorback quarterback. I'm joined. Tonight by Trevor Knight, former Texas A&M Aggie quarterback, as well as Oklahoma Sooner quarterback. Trevor, which one are you, which one are you more comfortable going by? Is it always a slash a slash intro?
2: Man, here, here's what I say. <laughs> I play both sides of this, and that's the political answer. And I don't need to be political anymore. I get that. But I got a degree from both schools, part of my story. I love them both. I care for them both. So people say, well, when they play each other. Who are you going for? And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to lift one of these nice little guys up here. I'm going to kick my feet up. And I'm going to watch some good ball, baby. Boomer Sooner <laughs> and Gig Madness. Let's go. Hey, I'm pumped hey. for tonight. I'm yeah, yeah, I'm
1: just, hell I'm yeah! Thinking. Hey, TK, just let me get an invite, brother. Just let me get an invite. Hey, you, you're yeah. no fool. Your mama didn't raise a fool. Now you got two unbelievable fan bases right there in the business world. That's that's worth a billion dollars. You know what I mean? Most in most guys road. can say, hey, the fan base is worth a million dollars because we only have one of them. Trev, you got two of them, baby. You you got I relationships really, and baby, connections right. all over the place.
2: I play them, and I live in Dallas, Texas, the north side of town. I'm almost equidistant to Norman, Oklahoma and to College Station, Texas. Come on. Man, I, I put my Aggie ring on for one meeting, <laughs> hop in the car, foot, flip on my O-ring for the next meeting. It works like a charm.
1: Hey, come on. And they can't talk shit because you got a degree from both of them. So tell them all to jump in the deepest lake in Texas with, with a cinder block tied around their ankle if they don't like it. All right, here, here's what we got. <laughs> hey, here's what we got, man. We, we got a good show stacked up for you all tonight. Uh the transfer portal. Look, December 21st, fellas, that's that is tomorrow. It is early signing period for college football programs. And now that's just that's not just early signing period for high school prospects. The transfer portal is is a topic when we talk about early signing period. We'll jump into the transfer portal conversation with the top players that have already committed, the top players that are undecided, and a couple of programs. That are that seem to be nothing's final yet until tomorrow, but a couple of programs that seem to be hitting it out of the park in um in in the transfer portal and and as far as early signing period goes, and uh, also Pat Narduzzi, the head coach at uh, Pitt, he he had uh some he went on a, a radio station um it was 93.7 the fan and had some comments about uh, a big time college quarterback. That we, I want to dig into those. I want to share the comment that was made from a current Division One college football coach, big time coach. It's been around the block uh, and, uh, about a big time quarterback uh, about the transfer portal. That, that's going to be big. We're going to start the show off with that. Uh, but before we do, we always like to start the show off with a little bit of a toast. And um, as I said, it's December twentieth. We are we are right around the corner. From Christmas, Uh, I'm a big Christmas Eve party guy. We got a big family party on Christmas Eve. My brother's birthday, who we lost uh, five six years ago, rest in peace, Big Hank. We love you, we miss you. His birthday's tomorrow. Trev, mine is on the 29th. We got Christmas sandwiched in between three beautiful human beings were born between the 21st and the 29th. You know what I mean? (laughs) Two sterners and the the Almighty. But the the uh, bottom line. Is This this time of year, Trev, I don't know when you started paying to get your Christmas lights hung up. I don't even do Christmas lights for everybody out there. But I this year, I decided, my, my wife said, hey, I want Christmas lights on the house. And I want my baby girl, 10-month-old baby girl, I want her to come home for the Christmas holidays to a, a lit-up house. And she wanted to pay for them jokers, Trev. I said, nah, uh-uh. I'll get some lights at Home Depot and I'll get them lights on that on this house, baby. Needless to say, my toast tonight is to all them folks out there that operate a, a Christmas light hanging business. I will be your number one client next year. Thank you for being in existence. And you better believe you got a loyal customer right here. Here's to all my Christmas light hangers out there. Cheers to y'all. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas.
2: Hey, I'll tell you what. I was uh, not allowed to put my Christmas lights up this year for that very reason. uh, We had had a crew come out, and I get it. My dad always put our Christmas lights up. I I take pride in being able to operate a ladder and do my own things around the house. That being said, those dudes showed up. I left the lights out on the front porch. They were in and out in 20 minutes. They look better than I could ever do it. It's worth every penny.
1: Three days, Chief. Three days, your boy was on a ladder. Terrible idea. (laughs) Terrible idea.
2: Gosh dang it. it. That's good. Cheers to that. I'm going to go back to the gridiron on mine tonight. Um, New head coach for the Purdue Boilermakers, Ryan Walters. My toast tonight is to him and to all the coaches out there on the journey. And what do I mean by that? Ryan Walters, when I step foot on the campus – at the University of Oklahoma in 2012, was a graduate assistant under Coach Bob Stoops. He's in there putting together their flashcards, you know, uh, putting together different scripts, putting together different cut-ups, all the dirty work that GAs have to do. He kept to the grind, he kept to the grind, he kept to the grind. Now here we are, less than 10 years later, almost 10 years later to the day, and my man is the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. To Coach Walters and all the success he will have and has had, to you, my man. Congrats on the journey, and all you other coaches out there that are grinding it away right now. Your time's coming, baby.
1: Yeah, man. What a uh, what a time of year. I say time of year. Hell, it, now it's year round. They fire a mid year and hire a mid year and and search them mid year and. So uh what a year, man. A lot of a lot of dudes fulfilling their dreams, a lot of dudes refreshing themselves and their families, moving on. We're gonna talk about a couple of those guys tonight, actually, Trev. But but I I wanna I wanna crank this thing up right here, man. Pat Narduzzi's comments um on, on a radio station, I'm assuming in, in the Pittsburgh area somewhere. Um he, Pat Narduzzi, the head coach of of Pitt, he says on 937 the fan that he's heard two schools have offered UNC, North Carolina quarterback, Drake made $5 million to transfer. Um, he won't say who they are, but he knows who they are. Um, it basically, he, in quote says, it's sad, it's a sad deal. And, look, I, Trey, there's a lot of different ways we can take this. And and on the eve of, of early signing date for college football, which is now a lot of transfers, I think the last month has really consisted of a lot of things like this behind the scenes illegally, if you will. I was listening to a show just a it was a podcast a couple I don't know, a couple weeks ago and it was about Sam Hartman, the quarterback at Wake Forest, and he was trying to decide whether to 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 go into the transfer portal or go go into the, the NFL and nobody knew what he was going to do. And basically the conversation was he could go somewhere and fetch two million dollars for one year of football. And so when you when you look at Drake May freshman got at least two years left, if not more Five million dollars doesn't seem that that far off. But but Trev, I, I I wanna can you believe where college football is today in terms of free agency and these dollars amounts, they they surpass what the NFL exchanges with a lot of players some some of the time. Five million dollars for a quarterback that's a freshman and had one good year, great year, but one good year. At the college level, it's crazy that stories like this are surfacing, man. It,
2: it really is. And and I'll say this. For a lot of these numbers that have been thrown around, I think Nick Saban was the first to say, hey, we've got a quarterback that has reached seven figures yeah. in NIM, right? At first, I said, man, that is a recruiting uh, pitch. I don't think anybody's getting that kind of money. Then you get into the offseason and really NIMA, NIL started to crank up, and people, everybody's getting a million bucks. Everybody's getting seven figures. So I started to take this stance of, okay, this is all kind of up here. You know, it's hoopla. It's it's a bunch of noise. There is money floating around, but I don't think it's as much as we think. A year plus now into the meat of NIL, this comment that that you just talked about, about Narduzzi. I think there is legitimacy to that. five million dollars for a kid that is proven that is an immediate impact to your program and you're looking at school saying, okay, I just graduated Let, let's use and I'll throw a team out let's let's use Georgia. Georgia's riding high, right? They got their quarterback. he just went to New York. they won a natty last year. they should win another one yeah. this year. And then who's going to backfill him? Maybe they have somebody on campus, or maybe they're sitting back going, hey, there's a guy out there in North Carolina. Let's get our donors together. Let's throw them a little coin. He'll step in here, and let's go through it for a 3 P." And you keep doing that. And I think uh, what we were talking about all year of NIL really hasn't been affected by the, the rich schools stealing from the poor schools yet. I think this is a great example where that's going to start happening, where you're going to go off and just pick these guys off as opposed to spreading the talent across, which I think we saw this year.
1: Yeah, man, look, I, you make a great point because you mentioned Saban. I, I'm just connecting dots here. This was not part of, of Pat Narduzzi's comments, but I do know before I heard this story, before I read what Pat Narduzzi had said, the this word on the street was, or at least what I had heard was, that Alabama was the school that was pursuing Drake May hot and heavy and North Carolina didn't know what he was going to do. And he finally announced, hey, I'm staying at North Carolina. I'm going to see this thing through at least for another year. So you connect the dots there. I mean, Saban clearly is, is going to play ball Georgia. I'm sure is going to play ball with a lot of these and look rightfully. So I think until the, until the NCAA cleans this up or whatever governing body ends up being the ones responsible for this, it, it's, it's going to be a free for all. And, and, and I'll tell you what though, Trev, you, you mentioned you mentioned like the, the top programs being able to go out there and pick a Drake May. And I, I do think that we're gonna see that before it's all said and done. Hell, you can say we saw it last year with Caleb Williams and, and USC and Flink and Riley, even though there's a little bit different dynamic there. Um I, I think there's there's uh there's a a real positive for Programs like where I went to school at Arkansas, man, I mean, they, they're, they're going to be able to backfill some positions with former five-stars, former four-stars that don't work out at Georgia or don't work out at Alabama that are guys they would never have had a chance of getting from the jump. And so I do think there's a – for every big Drake May $5 million number out there, I think there's 20 to 25 guys that are going to programs where it's helping them as well as – The program, So I don't know what the answer is, Trev. I don't think any of us do. Hell, we'd be making a whole lot more money uh, if we did. But, but man, I I think there's a sweet spot for this thing to live, right? Maybe not paying $5 million for the the best freshman quarterback in America and stealing from a program. But, damn, the concept seems to be really good for the players and college football.
2: Agreed. And I do think that – I don't know how many years it will take, but I do think that all of this will even out. And what I mean by that is right now, you know, we've heard this term over and over, the wild, wild west. You're going to see dudes just jump in the portal because they think the grass is greener. You're going to see kids jump in the portal for NIL money. You're going to see kids stay for certain reasons. You're just going to see all this craziness. But it's only going to take a couple times where these dudes that have had success where they start – to jump in the portal because they think the grass is greener and then never play again and for other dudes to be like, okay, hold on. I'm, I'm going to stay put because I don't want that story to happen to me. Or, hey, I, I'm going to jump out. I'm going to go and chase this money. And then I'm not going to fulfill my dream of playing the NFL because the grass wasn't greener. There's, there's going to be kind of all this circulation that will go on for two, three, four, maybe five years until it all settles out. And kids are going to go back to making decisions what's based on, uh, the, the best thing for them and their future of playing yeah. football, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, hey, look, Trev, it's it's already surfacing, man. We got a we got a large enough sample size after three years of forty percent of the players that enter the portal find a home. That means that means six of t- out of every ten players that jump in that portal don't end up playing. Maybe they do down the road. Maybe they jump in JUCO. I don't know what they do, but forty percent of players. And I'm telling you, man, there, there is, there's a, and then that number's huge too. Over a three year span, the number is, is astronomical that how many guys haven't, haven't found a home. So nonetheless, man, I, I just, I wanted to start tonight's show with, with a current head coach talking about knowing that programs were offering $5 million to a freshman Phenom quarterback. I, I just think that that kind of, that kind of, that, that'll lead us into the conversation that I want to have now, Trev, of, just transfers overall. The biggest commitments – we chop this thing up in three different categories here. The biggest commitments so far, the top names still in the pool, and schools who have landed the most. I want to start with the biggest commitments so far. And uh, it's quarterback heavy, obviously. Uh, Devin Leary, uh, he transfers to Kentucky. Uh, Mark Stoops is is a is is one of my favorite college coaches. Hell, he's one of my favorite people. Um, I, I've sat at the uh, at the track at the track in um, in Lexington in Kentucky and 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 had one of these right here with my boy Mark Stoops, Trev. me and you are doing it tonight, but I've had I've had one with my boy Mark Stoops. It was absolutely beautiful. So I understand why players. Want to go to Kentucky? I'm not a guy that sits back and goes, "Man, how does Kentucky get Will Levis from Penn State? How does Kentucky get Liam Cohen out of the NFL to come be their their offensive coordinator? Uh, I mean, how do they keep getting these guys that have options? Well, Mark Stoops is is a is a great football coach, and he he is a guy that knows how to do more with less. He, he's a guy that knows how to surround himself with a great coaching staff, and so no surprise that these guys keep ending up in Kentucky. But De- Devin Leary goes from NC State, North Carolina State. He transfers to Kentucky. Last year, Trev was a little bit dicey, a little bit dicey for Devin. He didn't stay healthy. The numbers weren't real impressive. But 2019 is the year that I want to talk about for um, for Leary at, at NC State. 2019, um, 66% percent sorry, it was 2020 – completion, 3,400 yards, 35 TDs, and five interceptions. I got my damn numbers all wrong. That was was the season before last, so that was 2021, right? I don't know what the hell I got 2019 in my notes for, but it was 2021 at NC State, 66% completion 3,400 yards 35 touchdowns five interceptions he was one of five of the Johnny Unitas golden arm award finalists this guy had an unbelievable amount of success at NC State not your typical transfer here Trev this is a guy that um and I'm sure there's an inside reason of why but this is a guy that's had a lot of success and started a lot of football games at NC State that's going to Kentucky
2: yeah this is this is one of those ones that I would say makes sense to me on a certain level. Let me start with my foundational comment. The grass is not always greener. I am a transfer quarterback. I was at a program. I played a lot of ball. I transferred to another program from OU to AM, and and it worked out for me. But it was not easy. Getting to a school and in one year's time trying to develop culture, trying to find the bathrooms, trying to get your teammates to surround you. It was not an easy thing to do. So, foundationally, I'm, I'm somewhat against if you're a starting quarterback wanting to move elsewhere. I moved because I got beat out. Baker Mayfield beat me out, and I wanted to go play again. This is a little bit different story. Why I think this was a good move for Devin was that you just mentioned it. This was not as good of a year as, as the year that you rattled off the stats for, Right? So he can step out, he can go to a program where he should and he will be the guy. He just saw Will, will Levis have a year that, yeah, started off hot, got a little cold, you know, they had some things go against them, yeah. but he's still going to go play in the NFL, um, to my estimation. And he's going to step in, he's going to play against the best talent in the country in, in the Southeastern Conference. So Devin Leary, for me, is saying, okay, I know I have it in me. Let me step away. Let me go into a conference where I'm playing against the absolute best week in and week out, and I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna ball. And if I do that, I've got a chance to go make a name for myself in the No Fun League, as I call it. And uh, and I think it's a I think it's a pretty good a pretty good move, and obviously a huge pickup for Mark Stoops and and the Wildcats there in Lexington.
1: Absolutely huge. Look, there, there's no doubt about it. Word on the street is too. By the way, um, at Kentucky. Is that Liam Cohen, who left after the 2021 season and went back to Sean McVay's uh, NFL team in the, with the Rams, is it rumored and has been asked about it in the media and, and was kind of a little bit ducking and dodging the question. It's rumored that Liam Cohen's going back to Kentucky to be the offensive coordinator. So you look at a guy in Liam Cohen, Li- Liam Cohen, who Took Will Levis in from Penn State, and Will had his better year in 2021. Uh, they were fifth in scoring. You're going to have a good defense because that's who Mark Stoops is. You're going to have a good run game because, again, that's who Mark Stoops is. And Liam Cohen coming out of the NFL with the NFL connections that he has, I think this was this was a, a, a really good decision for Devin Leary to go to uh, Kentucky again I think there was some kind of with, a, with a, a good chunk of these guys and I'm not saying it was it, it's a it's a huge negative but I think there's always a reason why an established quarterback that's had big time success in one organization leaves whether like you said you get beat out or for whatever reason you don't see eye to eye with a head coach or a coordinator leaves or like Jordan Addison left because Kenny Pickett went to the NFL and he didn't think the next quarterback didn't know who the next quarterback is going to be at the time. So I think there's always underlying reasons, but all in all, I think Devin Leary to Kentucky will probably end up being the biggest move this offseason in terms of a guy going and actually producing. Drew Pine is a, a tra- transferring from Nor- uh, Nor- uh, Notre Dame, and he's transferring to Arizona State. And here, here's the deal. Drew Pine, correct me if I'm wrong here, Trev, if you see anything, but he was 8-2 as a starter this year. The first two games that they lost were he, he played sparingly. He wasn't the starting quarterback. He threw 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. Really productive in, in, in at Notre Dame this year as the season went along. You can argue um, the main reason that, that, that they were able to get that season back on track was they got much better quarterback play uh, out of Drew Pine at Notre Dame. But he transfers to Arizona State where new head coach Kenny Dillingham is taking over former OC at uh, Oregon, uh, he's he's coming. He took the Arizona State job. So Drew Pine is going to Arizona State. I, I think this is another really good decision here, Trev.
2: See, I, I may disagree with you on this one. Um, it, it, it makes me scratch my head a little bit. Why? You know, wh- wh- why, why is the grass greener at Arizona State? This is different than a Devin Leary, though. Drew Pine is one of those guys where, He's certainly got talent, and he's capable of winning football games, but he's really got to maybe not even resurrect his career, but really come out of the shell if he wants to go and get drafted and go to the combine and make an NFL yeah. career for himself. And, and maybe that is a good home in Arizona State. I just think going, you know, I, nothing against Dillingham, and I think he's an amazing coach, and they're going to do great things there in Tempe. You know, a little unproven as a head coach. You're going somewhere that, you know, the, the, the culture of Arizona State is not at its greatest point. They're not winning a ton of football games. Like, what is the upside for him going to Arizona State at this point if his goal really is to go and be the best player in the country and whatever that looks like for him and then go play in the NFL? I'm curious your thoughts on why it's uh, it's such a good move for him. Yeah,
1: look, I, well, I did I did a I did a little bit of reading on on this particular this transfer, and and he specifically said at one point that he is looking forward to playing for a QB friendly head coach, right? Which that that leads me to believe that. He didn't. He didn't. And maybe like maybe a strong word. Maybe he just felt like the, the with Freeman at at uh, Notre Dame being a defensive minded head coach that that it they they did some things a little bit differently. Um, and, and maybe maybe the the head coach didn't understand the quarterback situation. I'm a big believer in this Trev. Look, I, and I don't know what was going on at Notre Dame, but but I'm a big believer in you got to handle your quarterback and and quarterbacks in general with kid gloves. I mean, and, and I don't – I mean, you, you can coach the hell out of them, be tough with them, but, it, like, if, for instance, if Drew Pine went out there and outplayed – and I can't – off the top of my head right now, my mind slipped my mind. I don't know if you remember the kid that started the season at, at Notre Dame. But that kid clearly was was not the answer in terms of being able to drop back, process at a high level, and deliver the football consistently, accurately down the field. And if Drew Pine sat there and watched that and they, they decided to go with him instead of Drew Pine, and for whatever reasons may be, I could see where Drew Pine would go. Man, the quarterback situation wasn't handled fairly. It wasn't handled the right way. I don't like the way that Freeman handles quarterbacks. I've been there a year. I want to go move on to a guy that took Bo Nix and like, reinvented Bo Nix's way of playing quarterback. Bo Nix's own record of talking about how, how he had never been around a quarterback developer and, and, and been taught the position and taught how to play the position at a high level. And so I don't know the ins and outs of Notre Dame and Freeman and, and Drew Pine, but I can in my in my head understand where there may have been a scenario of like, hey, man, let me remove myself from this defensive-minded head coach, this quarterback dysfunction – and let me go somewhere where there's an offensive-minded guy that fully understands what what needs to happen at the quarterback position.
2: And, and all, of these, all these different scenarios, Clint, to your point, it's case-by-case case basis. There are different reasons for all of them. And unless you're sitting in that head or in those meeting rooms and in those conversations, you really don't know. So I think it's one of two reasons. One, what you just said get out of the defensive-minded head coach, go to a guy that you know, has a track record with QBs, so on and so forth. Or maybe internally at Notre Dame, they said, hey, good year, not a great year. You know, Are you the guy? Yeah. Are you not the guy? Maybe maybe they said, hey, we're, you, you're kind of the guy, but we're going to kind of open it up, see how you both do in the offseason. If that's the case, see ya. I'm go gone. On. I know my capabilities. I'm going to go play for a guy that's offensive-minded, I want to be the guy. I don't want to look over my shoulder because Clint, you and I both know looking over your shoulder at a guy that's nipping at your heels as a backup and the coach kind of showing him some love. That's never good for mentality of your starting QB.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's unfortunate. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Dre. It's unfortunate because it gets couched as well, that then your starter's not mentally strong or, or, you know, if he's worried about the guy behind him, it's, No, man, I mean, the position's hard enough to play as it is. There's no question about it. I don't give a damn what coach believes in in handling quarterbacks in in different ways. It doesn't matter to me. There's no question about it that a quarterback is going to perform better if the entire organization and program believes in him, shows that they believe in him, and they have his back. Now, if you like your quarterback looking over your shoulder, if you like your quarterback playing scared, play to play, worry about if the interception is going to get him benched. So be it. I'm just of the belief that if you decide we we compete, me and Trevor Knight, we we compete, we compete. You say hey Clint, you're going to be our guy. All right, damn it, and stand behind me. Yep. Right? I mean, it's too hard to play the quarterback position to have somebody constantly questioning every move you make. Hey, if if, if I go three ball games and I ain't worth a shit. And you decide you want to bench me? Call me in, bench me, move on to Trevor Knight, and let's ride. Don't have me looking over my shoulder for three ball games and then wonder why I ain't playing worth the damn. That's just my belief, and I and I that's a heel that I will die on is that quarterbacks will play at or above their ceiling, assuming they're getting developed and assuming it's a good fit. They will play at or above their ceiling if and only if the coach and the program believe wholeheartedly in that they're that the guy for that week. I, I just. I, I, that's a hill I'm going to die on, Trev.
2: I could not agree more. It It is a confidence position through and through. If you're getting confidence pumped into the head of a quarterback, nobody can stop him. And prove me somebody that's wrong. Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, puts more confidence in that dude's head than anybody to where he's out there. He's just having fun playing. He's not thinking about the guy behind him. Uh, Jalen Hurts now. Now, don't get me wrong. That's a great example of you got to go learn it. You keep playing well, we'll keep pumping confidence in you. Uh, the, you know, it, it's it's incredible what he, what Jalen Hurts, as a guy that got benched in college, had to transfer, is now on the way to potentially winning an MVP trophy. I mean, yeah. confidence is everything at the quarterback position, and uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. So maybe that is the reason for Drew Pine leaving. And if it is, man, best of luck out there in the desert. Uh, if it's not, uh, hope the best for you, man.
1: That's Trevor Knight. It's Field of Twelve After Dark. I'm Clint Sterner. We're powered by Bet Rivers. You can find us on the SiriusXM app, and always check out that merch store at Field of 68.shop. We may come up with a couple of, of phrases tonight that'll end up on a T-shirt, so so look out. We're talking about these transfer uh, portal, the biggest commitments so far. We've done. We've uh, we've talked through Devin Leary. Transferring to Kentucky, Drew Pine, Notre Dame quarterback, transferring to Arizona State with three years of eligibility. Let's buzz through this one real quick. Dorian Singer, is a receiver in the Pac-12, he was at Arizona. He was the leading Pac-12 receiver last year. He transfers to USC to play with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, 1,100-plus yards, six touchdowns last year. I like this guy's story right here, Trev. Doing a little digging. He started his career as a preferred walk-on. How about that? Goes out, leads the Pac-12, not at SC, right, not at UCLA. He led the Pac-12 at Arizona in receiving, and now, boom, he enters the transfer portal, has several options, and ends up at USC. I don't know if he's going to do, do a, a, be worth the flip out there. I mean, Jordan Addison transferred after winning the Blitnikoff Award and uh, didn't make much noise out there at SC. I don't know if he's going to be worth the flip, but hell of a story. Preferred walk on to all Pac-12, leading the Pac-12, and now he's going to USC to play with the former Heisman Trophy uh, winner, or I guess current Heisman Trophy winner, because we ain't out of 22 yet. Here's here's another one I, I want to get to, though, real quick, TK. I want to get to Jeff Sims, uh, the, the Georgia Tech quarterback. He transfers up to Nebraska with Matt Rule, and I'm gonna tell you this guy when he entered. I've only seen him play uh, I mean, probably four or five times. But I'm gonna tell you, man, he's one that has like crazy, crazy potential. And then I looked at his numbers when he was at Georgia Tech, and I was like, damn, how? I mean, the numbers just weren't. They there was nothing sexy about the numbers at all. But I, I kept going back to his film. This guy had is electric. Has the ability to be big time, and, and we'll see what Matt Rule can get out of him uh, at at the at the uh, on, on his comeback to the college level at Nebraska. But Nebraska gets a hell of an athlete in Jeff Sims. I don't know if you got a chance to see him much, but he he's got a chance to be special
2: Yeah, I didn't follow him going through recruiting, so I could be completely off here. But this to me, with all the potential that he has and the, and the tools that he possesses seems to me like a guy that may have just fell through the recruiting cracks, which still happens with all the technology and the different services we have nowadays. There are still elite players that fall through the cracks. So, again, I could be completely off. I don't know how many offers he had or anything like that. But given that he ended up at Georgia Tech tells me that that was probably his best offer, you know, And, and we can maybe fact check that one. But this is a good move for him. This is a good move. Matt Rule, uh, similar to Scott Frost, although that just crashed and burned. Um, a, a guy that did amazing at Baylor in developing an offense, and an offense that can score and score quickly, goes to the NFL ranks. He understands what it takes at that level to uh, to produce a quarterback to get to that level, and it's, it's fresh. It's right on his fingertips. So Jeff Sims goes up there, can resurrect a massive fan base in Nebraska, get all of that fanship behind you, wear the N on the side of your helmet, which yeah. is a big time logo, and potentially get uh, get groomed by a Matt Rule it's going to go and fulfill his dream to play at the next level.
1: Yeah, hey, I tell you what, too. Don't forget Marcus Satterfield is his offensive coordinator, and and he he was the offensive coordinator at uh, South Carolina and that, that just eventually got uh, Spencer Rattler turned around to playing good football. So um, Jeff Sims, a little bit different animal there, obviously not as not as as uh, well thought of as a passer with Spencer Rattler. But, boy, you talk about Marcus has the ability, Satterfield, that he has, has the ability to look at the skill set between him and Matt That They'll figure out how to use that. Go ahead, Bob.
2: I'll say this. Uh, this in from Trevor Valise, our producer. Uh, Jeff Sims offers were Georgia Tech, Maryland, Boston College, and and Bowling Green. So he wasn't wasn't a big-time recruit, right? I mean, you can now argue, oh, why not Maryland over Georgia Tech, so on and so forth. That was in his recruiting. But, you know, obviously a guy that uh, slipped through the cracks, right? So now he's got an opportunity to go up there and make a name for himself.
1: We'll, we'll keep an eye on him at Nebraska. I, I'm high on him potential-wise. Now, can he play at or above his ceiling with Matt Royal year one? We'll see. But boy, he's good. All right, let, let's jump. Let's jump down. Let's jump over to your old stop, uh, stomping grounds in College Station with Haynes King. I mean, there, there was a lot of um, hype around Haynes King. The expectations were high. Um, I'll be honest. I think he was caught in the middle of some dysfunction. That, that is awful for quarterback young quarterbacks to play well or play play well through anyway but uh Haynes King former Am quarterback transfers to Georgia Tech um Haynes King is a guy that that I, I'm a little higher I think on him than a lot of people a lot of people worry about his his size um his and, and you couple that with the the athletic way in which he plays the game um off schedule off script likes to use his legs but he's awfully thin and he's got a super long stroke but I I don't I look at Haynes King and and look that's a that's a a blank canvas man that's a guy that you get with the right quarterback developer I I think he can cause some problems for some folks in at at Georgia Tech
2: yeah uh may disagree with you on this one as well I I do agree with you that he's a blank canvas I think we talked about confidence earlier. If you pump some confidence into Haynes King's head, he does have some tools. Now, he's not a freak of nature. He's not an Anthony Richardson. He's not a Caleb Williams. Agreed. He's not those guys. And guess what? For for all of us that watch on Saturdays, not everybody's going to be that. And that's what's <laughs> great about this yeah. game, right? Um, that being said, I, I I'm a little shocked at at the transfer to Georgia Tech. Um, his dad is a high school coach uh, at Longview, a great program. So they've obviously, had, you know, he grew up a coach's son. They obviously have some, some, um, some history on, you know, where to go, how to, how to be coached, what is the best situation for you. And, and I'll be honest, I just don't see Georgia Tech as the place to go resurrect your career you, you won the starting job at texas a and a huge brand with tons of money and all the all the different things it goes incredibly south i would try and get out of there and go and find somewhere like like an smu or or a place that you can go play a little bit under the radar and and still toss the ball around and put up good numbers i just don't see georgia tech as a place that he can go and do that now uh, he might be able to, but it's unproven at this point. So, you know, best of luck to him. He's going to get a great degree there, all those good things. But I just don't think it's the best opportunity for him if he's if he's wanting to make football a career for himself and make a little money in the making.
1: It's definitely an uphill climb at Georgia Tech. I mean, there's no doubt about it that that it's going to be a a, a a tough run. Um, But here, here's the thing, and, and you mentioned Haynes King in terms – I agree, uh Trev, that I thought the athletic ability from jump was blown way out of proportion. Like, I, I mean, I'm hearing guys talk – comparing him to Johnny Manziel and talking about the – speed. the legs are what's going to make him – is going to be the biggest difference maker. And I want – he is a long strider that if, if, if there's a crease or if he hits a sideline – he can kick, kick that head back, and I don't know that anybody's going to catch him. But we we both know the game's not played like that. You might get one out of every 25 carries where you get a crease. The game's not played like that. I think he's got to live in the pocket distributing the ball accurately if he's got a chance to, to have success at the college level.
2: Yeah, agreed. I, I You know, speed is a great attribute, but straight line speed does not football speed. Yeah, and I'll share a quick story, and we can move on. There's a guy named Tony Jefferson plays safety right now for the New York football giants, uh, played for the Ravens and started for several years, got hurt, is kind of resurrecting his NFL career, played safety at Oklahoma. Phenomenal player left his junior year. We played together, went undrafted because at the combine or pro day, one of the two ran like a four, nine I mean, Ooh. abysmal time people didn't think he could play so on and so forth you turn the film on and tell me if there's a guy that's faster getting to the football than Tony Jefferson straight line speed he's not going to beat you in a 100 meter dash but that dude is football <laughs> fast and that's yeah. what matters to your yeah.
1: people he's fast when he's fast when the ball's coming towards him right, <laughs> not, right. not not when he's running for a, a laser all right let's uh let, let's jump into the top names that are that are in the portal because those are the, the biggest commitments so far. Again, Devin Leary, uh, Kentucky, Drew Pine, former North, Notre Dame quarterback going to Arizona State, Dorian Singer led the Pac-12 in receiving last year at Arizona, wide receiver transfers to USC, Jeff Sims, uh, Georgia Tech quarterback transfers to Nebraska, Haynes King, former A&M quarterback transfers to Georgia Tech, Trevor I, I want to do this this group here a little bit differently these are the top names that are still in the portal I, I, I want to run through this list of names and then and then I, I want I want each of us to pick one or two guys from within whatever stands out and chop this thing up all right the the top recruit the biggest name one of the biggest names in college football right now for multiple reasons but he's a damn good player I don't want to minimize that at all is defensive back wide receiver. Out of Jackson State, the the if everybody remembers correctly, this is a guy that Deion Sanders flipped from Florida State. I believe he's the number one recruit in the country at the time. Flipped him from Florida State to Jackson State, Travis Hunter. A lot of folks thought he was gonna to go to Colorado. No question, no at no questions asked. Well, I think he may have a different idea. Georgia's in the mix. Georgia was one of his favorites coming out of college. The thought was that Georgia had the best opportunity to flip him from Florida State when Jackson State flipped him. So there's a history there with Kirby Smart. USC obviously has had a ton of success in the portal. And Miami also, which I'm guessing is, is closer to home for him, they're in the mix as well. And this is a two-way player. He played wide receiver and DB. Um, Travis Hunter has is, is got a chance to – wherever he's going to go will, will be a difference maker I thought it was definitely on the defensive side of football until I watched a little bit of his tape. He can run a route, Trev. He is special in and with his with his routes and understanding the game. He's he's number one. Bencharel Cypress, the second cornerback out of UVA out of Virginia, getting a ton of run as as the top DB um, coming coming out in the transfer portal. DJ Ungalele, he, he uh, quarterback out of Clemson. He still got UCLA and Hawaii where he visited. Where he visited. Uh, the jury's still out on him. Hudson Card, um, it looks like possibly uh, O'Tricky Trev's uh, guys, Illinois. Uh, former Co- Coastal Carolina quarterback, Grayson McCall, looking like Florida there, but nothing in, 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 uh, in concrete there. And uh, one I threw in here, Trev, was the quarterback, Spencer Sanders, from Oklahoma State, four winning seasons in Stillwater, and he jumps into the transfer portal. Of all those names: Travis Hunter, Fintrell Cypress II, DJ Ingelele, uh Hudson Card, Grayson McCall, and Spencer Sanders. What jumps off there for you, Trev?
2: Yeah, I, I think I could spend a whole show on these because I think this is super interesting here. But well, let's do it,
1: hey! We're running this, son, bitch. Let's go,
2: baby. Let's do it. I'll start with this one, and then we can work from there. Uh, the Spencer Sanders ones, it, it, that one makes my head explode. It doesn't make sense to me. To, to, to our point earlier, you spend your whole life dreaming of being a Division One, Power Five quarterback that finds success and in my opinion, gets better every single year. Agreed. you're at Oklahoma State where your head coach is tried and true, you know what you're going to get. He's going to win every year to some degree, you know, whether it's an 8-win season, a 10-win season, man, you might even knock on the door of going to the playoffs some years if you don't screw it up. And and to jump ship after building all of that up at one place does not make sense to me. And, and it, it what makes it even worse is that he didn't have the place that he wanted to go picked out. Because if he did, that would be wrapped up. That would be wrapped up. It would be signed, sealed, delivered. Hey, I'm a 50-year guy. I don't need to waste any time going through all these visits, so on and so forth. I'm going to play ball so I can go play in the NFL, period. And that's not what we're seeing out of of, of Spencer Sanders. I don't know. I hadn't read up on it enough. I'm curious if you've heard anything. The reason why? Oh, why? What's going on at Oklahoma State? Was it internal? Was it him hearing something from the outside world? Is he chasing NIL dollars? That one doesn't make sense to me at all, Clint.
1: Well, that the only thing I can think of, you hit the nail on the head because I haven't heard anything.
2: I haven't heard anything on where the hell he's
1: gonna. He's considering to go. Whoever who I haven't heard anything on who who is even pursuing him. Right. But, but the NIL deal for me, Trev, is always going to – with an upperclassman like this, is always going to be a possibility. If these programs are coming out there and they're paying these, these freshmen, these freshmen that are coming in to get them to come to school there, and you got four or five dudes that ain't pissed to drop in that locker room making $100,000 a year, $250,000 a year, whatever it may be, and then you got Spencer Sanders – who's had four winning seasons. And as you said, I mean, hey, I've watched a lot of Oklahoma State football. There's been some good players, but there's nobody that's more heart and soul of that football team than Spencer Sanders. There's nobody that's leaving it on the field more than that dude. Every time I watch a game, he's limping, his jersey's torn with grass stains, and he's balling to the very, very end. So I don't know what it is. I don't know who's after him. I don't know why he's in the transfer portal. But a guy like this transfer and screams the NIL NIL isn't right there or he wants to test the waters and see if the NIL money can be right as a free agent. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense, Trev.
2: I 100% agree. And Spencer Sanders, to me, although extremely talented, athletic, has had a great career, isn't one of those guys that's going to jump off the draft board first, second round, right? I mean,
1: another trip, another reason why his ass I, better be testing free agency. You know what I mean? Like, this may that, be his that, only opportunity to make a chunk.
2: But what, what's puzzling, and our producer Trev just shared this with me, there's no media out there about him right now. No None. rumors, no visits. Uh, None. You know, people we're talking about Drake May, who's about to play in a bowl game, uh, and, and $5 million, all this different buzz going around about NIL. Spencer Sanders is in the portal, and we're not hearing anybody talk about oh, well, he, he got million offered from him, he got 500 grand offered from him, he got three million from them. Where's he going to go? We're not hearing anything, Clint. So, I that one that one sticks out to me as a uh oh. I, I hope he's got it figured out behind closed doors because if not, <laughs> could be bad.
1: Yeah, no, I look, I, I agree with you. Check this one out. I'll tell you what jumps off to me, man, is the. I, I Grayson McCall, the kid out of, out of Coastal Carolina, 8,000-plus yards at Coastal Carolina, 78 touchdowns. I mean, he's played a lot of football at Coastal Carolina. And this is one that I completely wholeheartedly understand. If you can jump from Coastal Carolina and you have options in the Florida range – then it makes perfect sense. And I think Florida would be a perfect fit for him. They lost Anthony Richardson, uh the 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 other kid uh well was Kitna? Uh John Kitna's son got in some trouble down there and and he's gone and so they've got they've got a huge opportunity at Florida. If Grayson McCall can can ball out have a good career at Coastal Carolina, win a bunch of ball games, produce through the roof and then jump to Florida with a program, a head coach that's a second year into a rebuild, I like this a lot for Gracie McCall.
2: Agreed, yeah. I, I think it's um very different, especially the way that the season ended up for, for Oklahoma, but very similar player in terms of history to Dylan Gabriel, a guy that played it somewhat of a yeah. mid-major, thrown for a bazillion yards, thrown for a bazillion touchdowns, is proven and has the chance to go – and, and, and make a name for himself and play it at the highest level with a big logo on the side of his helmet. I'm with you. It's a no-brainer. You go go to the swamp. Uh, you get to experience Come on, man. what you dreamed of. And, and just think back. A couple years ago, these guys were laying in bed, and I'm so thankful I get to go play college football. I wish I could go play at Florida. I wish I could go play at Ohio State. I wish I could go play at Georgia. But Coastal Carolina, let's roll. I'm going to yeah. put my head down. I'm going to go to work. And now you put the time in, you put the effort in, you're proven and you got an opportunity to go and, and and fulfill a dream that not many people get to fulfill. I think it's awesome for him and I I hope it works out for for Grayson.
1: Trev, I I want to I've I've shared my thoughts on DJ Ungalele at, at this point over and over again as he was at Clemson. What what's your thoughts on him? It looks like he's visited uh, UCLA and Hawaii. I'm surprised that that's the the list isn't any longer than that. Doesn't have bigger names on it, but that's what it looks like for for DJU. Your thoughts on on him transferring and, and what he needs to do at the next stop.
2: I think he's going to be phenomenal at the next stop. Not quite uh, the same scenario as a Jalen Hurts, but probably pretty similar. Right. You get caught up in some negativity um, or, or, a, or a guy behind you or whatever the situation is. And sometimes it's just hard to dust that off. I think. We go back to what we've been talking about this whole show. You go and give DJ a fresh start. You pump some confidence to him. He's shown it. He's got the tools to be a great quarterback. He just needs a change of pace. And unfortunately, you never script it that way. But this is one of those scenarios where this guy just needs a change of pace. If he ends up at UCLA, if he ends up at Hawaii, if he ends up anywhere, I think he's going to have a phenomenal season and could be a guy – that uh, that we see playing on Sundays for quite some time. If he gets that confidence going,
1: well, there's no doubt about it, dude. Dude's, dude's a, a freak. I mean, he can spin it with the best of them, and and he can run around. I, my my question from jump and to this day is has been about just the intangibles, and I don't know him personally. I, I just it just always seemed to me like he had a team. He had a hard time. Um, or I'll put it to you this way: I didn't watch the game and see a team rally around a quarterback the way that you do when a when a a true alpha a, a true leader of men uh is is in the huddle especially at a place like Clemson when you see Trevor Lawrence go through there when you see uh Deshaun Watson go through there I, that that's just for whatever reason before we were I got with field of 12 and you and I ever started doing work together I just never really felt like The team responded well to him, and then I saw Cade Klubnik jump in there, and the team respond in a big way. So that kind of justified it, but nothing like again a fresh start, reset button for a guy that gifted. It could be, it could be big. All right, Trev, I want to jump into these schools, man, because there's one of them that really sticks out to me: the the schools who have landed the most, um, the most players from the transfer portal. This this is interesting to me. You got some USC. They've got four four-star transfers already. And we talked about Dorian Singer, the, the Pac-12 leading wide receiver, number one overall wide receiver in the portal. He goes to USC along with three other four-star transfers. Florida State has six four-star transfers already. Jaheem Bell, he's listed as a tight end out of South Carolina, but I'm pretty sure that's the guy that ran running back. When they ran, when they ran out of running backs this year, he played a little tailback as well. Iowa. Cade McNamara from Michigan to Iowa. Eric All from Michigan. Both started have started at Michigan uh, and transferred to Iowa. Both, in fact, didn't just start. Both were All-Americans last season, 2021 season at Michigan. And Trev, one of them that you and I being in Texas are both close to, this is the one I want to talk about. This is the one I want to get to, brother. TCU JoJo Earl, former four-star wide receiver, been in Alabama transfers TCU. Tommy Brockmeyer, former five-star offensive lineman out of Alabama, transfers to TCU. Two guys that I've seen recently. One of them, hell, he had a graphic built with it with a TCU jersey on, uh, announcing the commitment. Jake or Jack Besh out of um, LSU. Big year in 2021, very promising. I know as high school coach, this kid's a beast. Tight end, wide receiver, kind of hybrid player. Kind of got lost in the mix this year at LSU. He transfers to TCU. And a guy you're familiar with, again, back to College Station, Chris Marshall. Is, is Chris right? Did I write that in there right? Is it Chris Marshall? I know it's Marshall, the, the big, tall, 6'4", wide, freshman wide receiver this year that stayed in a little bit of trouble. He is in the transfer portal, and he lists TCU as a front runner. That without without Marshall, that's an impressive haul. With him, boy, TCU's looking really, really healthy. Coming off of a whatever happens in the college ball playoffs, with those kind of guys bouncing in.
2: Agreed. Yeah, I think that um, you know talent finds winning, and and, and I say that because you you got front runners out there, and I'm not saying anything about these guys that are transferring in, not calling them front runners, but you get what I'm trying to say. If you're a winning football team, good things are going to find you. People are going to be attracted to you. People are going to want to jump on that bandwagon because NIL, NFL, all these different things go out the window. All of us that lay our head down at night, we dream about hoisting the trophy and winning. If you're a competitor and you're a good competitor, you are a winner and you want to go somewhere that's winning football. TCU is interesting to me. Max Duggan declares for the draft. It's the first year of sunny dykes. My only concern is, does TCU catch lightning in a bottle this year in 2022? And is it, are we not seeing something of – pure sustainability moving on from this year to where guys like jojo and guys like tommy and these guys were mentioning want to go there curious your thoughts clint on that what is tcu a mainstay for good and that's why these guys are going or did they kind of catch lightning in a bottle with duggan who's now gone in first year and hey we don't really know what's going on now let's settle in
1: Well, yeah. Look, I I think I think two things can be true, uh, Trev. I mean, I I think that look when a team does something that they've never done before and makes a run to the college football playoffs and they win the regular season Big Twelve, I think there's obviously some monster momentum there. Um, I think you get a kid to Fort Worth, Texas, um, the way the way TCU is set up. I think it's sexy. Um, I, I think there's some there's 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 more money at TCU than 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 is talked about nationally. So from an NIL situation, they're not a big dog, but they're not gonna they're not gonna lose to your to your your Big Twelve schools that are going to be left once OU and Texas leave. They're not gonna lose to anybody else in that conversation. That's for damn sure. And then you talk about that. I mean, look, if I'm Sonny Dykes, I feel really good about the future of the Big Twelve. And OU and Texas leaving. I know this wasn't a great year for either one of them, but look here. The Sonny ain't no fool. He knows that it's just a matter of time before OU's back. And Texas looks like they're coming on. They're on their way on their come up. This time, a real come up, not 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 a a false front. I mean, I think TCU is is. I think it's sustainable, man. I, I really do. I, I think they're going to be one of the more talented teams in the Big Twelve, if not the most talented team in the Big Twelve year in year out. Um and, and and I think with the transition of OU and Texas leaving allows that to be true, man. I, I think it's, I I think they can they can capture lightning in a bottle. No question, they did. Like but it. can they cap Can they capitalize on it enough, Trev, to where they become the front runner in the Big Twelve, to where they can sustain what the hell they're doing? And I think the answer is yes.
2: Let me ask you this real quick, and I know we just got a few minutes. Uh, quarterback position at TCU, that's a sought-after spot now. Is that Chandler Morris who started the year out? Is that his yeah. job? Or is that a potential landing spot for a Spencer Sanders or somebody of that nature?
1: Well, look, I, I know they're high on him, and, and I know i know he is a talented dude. I know he's got some, some real swag now. He's got some real – like leadership qualities, I I I didn't get to know him, but I got to know a lot more about him when his dad was at Arkansas. So I, I, I Chad Moore, so I, I crossed paths with him quite a bit. He's he's legit now. Now is he legit enough to 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 capitalize on this lightning? They got captured in this bottle and carrying, carry, sustain what they've done. I don't know about that. I'm not going to disrespect what what Max Duggan has done. And say that all of a sudden this kid can do it because he's talented, but but I, I think they've got an answer there if, if that's who they choose to go with. I'm not real familiar with the other quarterbacks. I'm not real familiar with who all they're recruiting. But when it's all said and done, um, I, I I think I think both things can be true. Trev, to your question of uh, are, can they sustain what they're doing? If they were in the SEC, I'd say no, nah, they they're not going to sustain that. But in that Big Twelve. Yeah, man, I I think they can sustain that. One conversation I want to have, Trev, before we get out of here, you and I can't do a show together without dialing in and focusing in and honing in on, on two programs. And since we're talking about transfer portals, my old school, my old alma mater, University of Arkansas, my Razorbacks, and one of yours, the Texas A&M Aggies, they happen to be leading the charge of – number of players that have entered the portal. Arkansas has 23 scholarship players that have left. Texas A&M has 22 scholarship players that have left. And I want to get your thoughts on A&M and the the scholarship players that have jumped in the portal. And I want to hone in on this because this is not just a normal – it doesn't surprise me at Arkansas – Texas A&M, it surprises me big picture, not with what's going on, but big picture, right? And here's here's what sticks out. Last time I checked at Texas A&M, five players from last year's record-setting recruiting class have entered the portal. Five of that class. These aren't sophomores and juniors that are second string or feel like they've got snubbed or, you know, feel like they got a a better place to go. Five of them were from last year's recruiting class, and a good chunk of those guys – we're playing your thoughts on what's going on at Texas A&M, all the scholarship players that have jumped into portal last year's class. And how do they, how do they, they deal with this situation in college station?
2: Listen, you don't make a bowl game. Nobody signed up for that. I didn't sign up for that. You didn't sign up for that. Definitely. None of those guys signed up for that. Yep. <clears throat> you sign on the dotted line because you want to win football games, all the other stuff. And I can't beat this over the head enough. NIL, you know, uh, uh, NFL, all these different things are definitely part of it, but nobody wants to go out to the practice field day in and day out, and then show up on Saturdays and get your butt kicked. You just don't want to do it. And so I signed. Uh, I got recruited by Jimbo. I got recruited by this great brand, so on and so forth. And then we come out. And we're not even going to a bowl game. I'm sitting on my couch right now, leading up to Christmas. And I, I with the, with 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 the transfer portal nowadays. And that, thanks, but no thanks. I'll go somewhere else where, that I can that I can be on the field because I know I'm good. Uh, but I can also compete and go and get some at least some shiny new stuff at a bowl game and get some of those gifts. Um, tell you what, if I'm Jimbo Fisher, I'm shaking in my boots right now with all the negativity of this last year and now losing all these guys. That's showing me that, man, it's uh, it's not good internally. It's not good externally. It's not good anywhere. And uh, he's got some some pieces to pick up if he wants to get things back on track this next year.
1: Hey Trev, here's my question, man: Is with a And what what in the hell are they waiting on? Because I look, I, I thought <clears throat> I knew some guys were going to bounce. You, you don't you don't get you don't have freshmen getting in trouble the way those guys were getting in trouble uh, and, and kind of doing their own thing without without some guys being disgruntled and bouncing. I, I get that, but. I felt like these guys needed to go out there and figure out what they were what the hell they were going to do at the offensive coordinator position and make an announcement as soon as the season was over in order to salvage as many guys as you possibly can offensively and 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 in order to draw transfer portal guys in and in order to keep recruiting at a high level because you and I both know we've now seen 12 games of it Say what you want about what Jimbo Fisher did ten years ago, eleven years ago at Florida State, won a national championship. That is great. Don't get me wrong. But if you watch this offense play, if you watch Jimbo Fisher go through three or four quarterbacks since Kellen Mond graduated, this offense and the way that that Jimbo is real animated with receivers and running backs and quarterbacks as they're coming off the field, it's chaos, man. Like, I thought for sure, and no offense to Daryl Dickey, because, by the way, Dickey's an unbelievable coach, a great recruiter. I think he – all. In, I don't know him personally, but everybody I've talked to loves the hell out of him. He's done a great job. But to me, this is – my biggest question is, what is A&M waiting on from a perspective of hiring an offensive coordinator, making that change, and then running with it? And if they're not going to do – if they're, if they're going to drag their feet, I'm scared as hell – for all my Aggie partners out there, that Jimbo is, is for real when he says, oh, it wasn't the system. It was the execution.
2: Yeah, it's um, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, why, why not right away? Why aren't they picking up the pieces? Why aren't they making big moves? Um, those are the things that have to be done. Change has to happen when you have an abysmal year like that, and we just hadn't seen it quick enough. The only change we've seen is that your roster is going to be flipped upside down by this transfer portal. Curious yeah. your thoughts here to wrap up uh, uh, on Arkansas, your alma mater.
1: Yeah, I, I think with, with Arkansas, it's – you look at the guys that have left. I think there's three guys worth mentioning. Uh, Jalen Catalan, who was a preseason All-American after an unbelievable freshman year. Um, and then he spent the last two years – I think he's played two or three ball games total because of injury. But big-time leader when he's healthy, big-time player – but he's been two years removed from playing really for Arkansas. So I just – I question how much of a hit that is. He's a great player. I'd love to see him in a Razorback uniform again, but having not played much the last two years, I I just don't see how they feel that on the field in in as big a way as maybe he as a player and his reputation may fold. But somebody is going to get a great player because Jalen Catalan's a really good player. Trey Knox, the uh, the tight end slash receiver – He's a guy worth mentioning. He he followed his old receivers coach, Coach Step, out to South Carolina. And Keytron Jackson was a receiver, probably third or fourth in the depth chart this year, that uh, made some plays for Arkansas, but ends up at Baylor this year. And um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think at Arkansas, you've got the 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 scary part about this for the Hogs is more about depth. Um, and and it's and look when A and M loses twenty two guys, it's 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 depth for them too. But Arkansas has a depth problem on a on a regular year. You know your A and M's, your Oklahomans, your Texas, your Alabamas, and, and Tennessees and all. You know the the, the Floridas, Georgias. They, they don't when they those guys talk of depth problems, I laugh at them. Like my biggest fear at Arkansas when you lose twenty three scholarship players is first and foremost depth. Like of all those players, I think Arkansas, they drew in an offensive lineman in a portal from Florida. They they brought in Jacoby Criswell, a, a, a quarterback from North Carolina, which I'll argue their backup quarterback hurt them more this year than any position. Um, and, and then they got a receiver from down here at Texas A&M Commerce that's um, or Texas A&M Kingsville, I believe, that that's a big six, 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 big, big receiver. Um, you can look at that and say I would trade those players for the ones that ended up leaving, but the sheer number is going to hurt Arkansas. We, like the number of defensive backs that left, which is already very razor thin at Arkansas. I mean, I bet there's counting Jalen Cataline, safeties and corners. I bet there's six of them that have left this year, Trev. So I, I'm less concerned about the – you know, where A&M has, I mean, four and five stars bouncing – we don't have that problem in Arkansas. Hell, we you know we just we we don't have the ability to have that problem. We've got some good players leaving. Sam Pittman does a good job of bringing in replacements, and I am just overly concerned with the number of DBs. Real quick, Trev, before we get out of here, I, I'll put a will put a quick comp on this. Arkansas had twenty three scholarship players leave. Texas A and M had twenty two scholarship players leave. The Big Ten, the Big Ten as a whole had 23 players enter the portal. Arkansas had as many players as the entire Big Ten conference. Wow. Crazy, man. Um, crazy day we're living in, but Big thing, Trev, is December the 21st. Tomorrow is early signing. Stay plugged in. Field 12 will be back on Thursday night to cover all of the action, and there will be big-time, big-time action. These, uh, these players that are in the portal – They've got to land somewhere. I'll be shocked if we don't have breaking news and somebody jump in the portal last minute and transfer. Um, we'll have some drama probably from the Pat Narduzzi comments of who's handing out millions of dollars. But you, you can find all of that and much, much more at Field of 12 after dark. We'll be back Thursday night. We're always powered by Bet Rivers. You can find us on the Sirius XM app and always check out our merch store at Field of 68.shop. For Trevor Knight, for Field of 12, I'm Clint Sterner. We're out.